welcome back to the View from the Rock. I'm your host, Ruck, joined by Papa Swappa and Morgie. And today we're going to be talking about greatest guitar players ever, followed by Beer of the Week, which is a product out of Georgetown. And maybe my favorite top three we've had so far because I feel like this is right in my wheelhouse. Top three grilled slash barbecue foods, which I think will lead into some debate about which really actually is going to be categorized as a barbecue food versus maybe something that gets smoked on one of those BS Traegers. Ooh. Uh, oh, is that some... That's some spice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just like things that take skill, and that's one of those things that doesn't. I mean, is it an oven? Set it and forget it? Come on. Anyways, I'm not trying to... Wow, we're to, coming to in hot today. <laughs> Whoa. The Ruck Daddy got some sun uh, today and yesterday, if you can tell from the tan lines on the tank. Um, and I was hanging out with one of my buddies from college, actually my roommate from Ferndale. Kevin Schoenmakers, who I'm sure does not listen to this podcast, but he's aware of it. Um, you know, I went to Bowman's Bay today. How I, was it out there? I never go there. It oh, was it's like a, it's awesome. It was like this little jewel that I just walked oh, into. Oh, Bowman's Bay is oh, amazing. Yeah. If if you are not from here, or even if you are, if you have not been to Bowman's Bay in the last month, you need to do yourself a favor and go there. Did you just sit on the beach? Yeah. You know. Uh, at this time in my life, most 35-year-olds have children and are married, so uh, he had his wife and his two kids with him. We're both under the age of three, so um, they played in the sand, and we sat there, and uh, I made some burgers, and I wrapped them up in parchment paper and brought it to my friend because his wife is pescatarian. In case you didn't know, that means that they only eat fish for a meat. I so, did not know that. I just I learned, learned like four today. things right there. <laughs> pescatarian? Yeah. And so, hence the root word, pesca, pescar is fish in Spanish. Hey, Mr. Yeah. Morgenthau, Thank look you. at you. Yeah. You are a man of Woo. many languages. <laughs> wow. Yes. Your math slash PE teacher. That was, did you like that? I did. I almost fell out of my seat. <laughs> wow. So, did you do the little hike out there? No. That's yeah. definitely not, not uh, something my friends would want to do. And I've never done it, so I don't know what hike you're talking about. Really? Yeah. So there's two. If you're at Bowman's Bay, you can do, there's a hike that takes you over to Rosario. Okay. And then there's a hike the other direction that takes you over towards Deception Pass. And it's the most beautiful hike in the world. I mean, it's, there are numerous places to stop where you get a picture and, and it's unbelievable. How would you rate it compared to the Sharp Park hike? Uh, similar in that it's not a strenuous hike, but there's a big payoff. I've never been there. Oh my, you gotta be kidding me. You nope. live here in... I, I will make it a point to take my wife there in the next month. You sound passionate about that. I will. Jason, you don't strike me as someone who goes on hikes. With your wife. Or with so, people. When I hike ruck, I hunt. So I've spent my whole life hiking, but it's been to go... High to, country? High country. I've been to some of the greatest places in the world that no, very few people have ever been to mm. in Did, the Cascades. So was but there it a, requires a, sh, a ton, <laughs> a sh ton of work, <laughs> and it's long. Like you're getting up at three, two-hour drive, and I've always... 
I never really enjoyed it. I just did it because I thought I had to. And but I now I would like I want to take Kelly to a couple places, but it, it's a lot of work to go ten miles in to go to a lake to try and fish for some trout. But it's amazing, high mountain lakes. Did you guys uh, do a something with llamas at one point? So my dad, after I had graduated from high school, they started packing llamas to the high hunt to hunt. And so my uncle raised them at his house. And they're, I, I hate them. They're very ornery and they spit at you. So on your hikes, you'd bring them like a pack animal that had all your gear or you'd ride them? No. They were like the Sherpa of four-legged creatures. You, you train them and they pack out everything. So because you're going to 20 miles in. Yeah. You can't you can only get llamas, you can't get horses. And so they they tried that out for a few years and then one year a bear tried to attack them. The and llamas? They, yes, and they got PTSD and then they became <laughs> <laughs> llama PTSD. And then they just became uh just <laughs> pets. And there's a I think the, the next part of that llama story is going to be at the secret podcast. <laughs> you know, when I think about you packing a llama up there, it just takes me to a really nerdy place where I think, you know, if they ever had like a really cold hike where all of a sudden it snowed out of nowhere and they didn't know what to do, they could just Return pull of the s- Jedi? No, or, Empire oh, Strikes oh, Back. Okay. You knew where I was going with that. Yeah, yeah I knew yeah. exactly. They could just cut that tauntaun oh, open and I, just dig Luke right inside of it. So I will say one thing, and I don't want to make... Other people, like <laughs> when I killed one of my deer one year, it was probably 15 degrees and it's cold. And when you're cold, it's awful. When you're in the middle of nowhere and you're like five hours away from home. Being cold nothing, is not one of my favorite things. But th- your feet and your hands. You lose, you lose feeling. So, but you can't. They start to but, get hurt. They hurt. So you have to move. But we're not moving because the deer is killed and now we have to clean it so i just stuck my hands and did a full-on luke just right right in its guts yes just to warm my hands you are like hannibal lecter <laughs> i do not eat brain <laughs> <laughs> i could just imagine you uh pulling your hands out and just rubbing blood on your face red just, dawn yeah just walking red dawn red dawn <laughs> drink the blood Underrated movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Great the original? Movie. Yes, the original. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard it's good. Wolverines. What? You've never seen the original Red Dawn? Hey, I'm just trying to stay on brand right here. Of course, I've never seen the oh, original Red goodness. Dawn. Oh, my I want to watch it tonight. You know, I probably shouldn't say what I'm thinking, so I won't. Hmm. Is it, would that have been directed at me? No. Okay. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> okay. Hey, real quick. Uh, gave out a little secret podcast update. Gave out a couple golden tickets today. Where were you at today? So today we were at Meridian High School. Okay, for the so high school. so not to interrupt, but that's what I was thinking about with Red Dawn. Every time I'm in Meridian mm. at Meridian High School, you think we're in the middle. We're in that town. Wolverines. Yes. Yeah. Hey, how's there? You were there for baseball or basketball? Basketball. Oh, okay. Uh, tournament. We went two and two. We're young right now, but it was fun. But we saw a couple uh, very loyal listeners. Tori Swanson gave him his golden ticket this morning, and I thought he was going to just jump up in my lap. He was so excited. That's pretty excited. 
and he's a Mount Vernon Bulldog. Like he is a friend of ours, but he's also our enemy. Well, I, you know, the Mount Vernon Bulldogs, enemy is a strong word. An enemy growing up as in a, playing a sport. They're not Seahome. No. And at this point, they, they do not affect us at all as far as our postseason hopes go. I just, I respect them and I just hate them because they won so much. When you were growing up. Yeah, the hardware. They were like Linden when yeah, we were growing up. They were up. like a Linden now. Yeah. Hmm. So he was happy. It's going to be great. Uh, Brett Simp, coach, he got his. He still doesn't know what to do with it. But yeah. what, uh, do, what do you do with, with the ticket when you get one? So I think uh, if you get a golden ticket, you bring it to the secret podcast and you might get a special prize. I think a lot of people are putting it on the refrigerator right now. That seems like a good place for it. And so the, we will let you know a month in advance, looking towards end of August. So busy weekend of sports. Busy. Yes? Hey, one, one more. Dave Harris, Rooster. He got his Friday. And he was super excited He's when I saw him. Excited. Hey, before we move on from that, um, my perspective obviously is cross country and track and field. So what is the facility like at Meridian for basketball? Because I hate going there for a track and field meet. Like nothing is worse than going an hour plus away from where we are at school-wise to a facility that is far below what we normally would, would go to. I would say their basketball facility dwarfs our basketball facility. Seriously? 100%. What? So you walk in where they take attendance and people think that's their main gym. That's their second gym. So we had a couple people today complaining about not being able to see the scoreboard very well. And I reminded them that this is their auxiliary gym that has bleachers. Our auxiliary gym has mats. And then they said, oh. And then I heard someone say, yeah, we have the worst basketball facilities in the state. When you go to Meridian for a basketball game. As it's a, way different than track. As, a, as an opposing team. They have labeled locker rooms because essentially they have four. Wow. Which a lot of schools do. They have kind of like their PE locker room and their varsity locker room or whatever. So you go to a game and you can actually have girls and boys basketball teams playing on the same night because they have four different places to change. Yeah, that seems like that's at this point kind of a necessity, being able to have that many locker rooms. You would think that would be a necessity, but not here. Hmm. Okay. Um, so you had some more sports update? Was that what I was hearing? You guys had a lot of well, sports this weekend? Well, it's wide open right now for people. So we got kids doing basketball, football, baseball, volleyball. So I know my family had two different volleyball events, two different baseball things going on, one of which I was coaching, and then basketball. So we were at five different things between the – Five of us. That's a lot. It's a lot. So real quick, you're coaching the Anacortes High School summer baseball team. 4-0. 4-0. Two against Burlington, which is amazing. Two walk-off. Are you, are you guys still called the Steamers? We are the Steamers. The Anacortes Steamers. Yes, we are. So basically, if you would describe that, it's like a ball that's hit and then it's steaming. Or shows steam coming off the ball? 
The is, derivation of the term is a little bit mysterious. It might refer to a clam. That's what I assumed it was. Well, yes, I understand what a steamer is, but yes. I, I didn't put that together. But actually. I think a lot of people that are not living on the water might think a steamer is something else. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I do notice, though, the shirt in front of me, there, there is no clam anywhere near that shirt. No, there's a ball screaming through a glove. Some might say that ball is steaming through a glove. And it has angry eyes Yeah, on the ball. The eyes look like they're kind of bloodshot. Like maybe the vapor that's coming from that ball might be coming from something else. Would you say that is personification? That is a great, great uh, oh, that's a piece language, of figurative language. Language arts yeah. wow. term. You got a ball with eyes. <laughs> Do you ever say... Like in baseball, like the ball had eyes, like it got right where it needed to. It saw where it needed to go. That is a thing that is said. Yeah. Like if somebody hits, the baseball term is a bleeder. To where it just gets right past the pitcher. Hey, yes. You what, might say what that. if you call a, what would you call a big bleeder? What? Alliteration. Well, that is alliteration, but that's not a baseball thing. Yeah. I know. I'm just trying to come up. No, you're doing well. I'm trying to be smart like for language arts. Well, you did the yeah. thing earlier that was... That was amazing. Yeah. You know, I think that was your one for the day. Don't, don't, you try, don't try too hard. <laughs> uh, you know, I think that we've covered enough sports. I don't think I have anything else to add for sports other than we've got two kids that are going to Nike Outdoor Nationals two weeks from now uh, for track, uh, Dylan Rowell. He's going to be competing in the mile. I think it's Thursday. And then Jessica Friedland's going to be competing in the steeplechase on Friday and then the two mile on Saturday. Is that by age? No, it's just all high school. Any age, high school track, um, you need to get a qualifying time. And then based upon your time, they place you in uh, different, um, what would you call it? Just different like trial runs so um yeah good job um so like for jessica she's going to be in the competitive one i know for i know for the steeple i don't know for the other races but i know for the steeple she's i want to say ranked number two in the meet could you explain um, to me the steeplechase yeah steeplechase is one of those ones you don't see too much at high school meets because you need a special facility for it we get to run it probably twice during the year but it's not an official WIA event. So the steeplechase at high school is 2,000 meters, so that's a mile and a quarter. Um, and at, I think at the college slash pro level, it's 3,000 meters. So uh, there's a water event, I guess you would say, or a water obstacle. So it's a giant like beam that is in front of a sunken down portion of the track that is full of water. So you jump you land on the actual beam and then propel yourself forward to the end of the water obstacle. And then at different intervals, which I don't know how far apart they are, you've got hurdles that you have to hurdle over. So there are hurdles. Yes. And, and water. And yeah. water. Yep. Do you have any idea, like a lot of these things originated with something that was in the context of the time that it was invented, um, meant something relevant any idea with steeplechase like was that because it's it's an olympic sport it is was that like simulating something that maybe people did um, in their everyday lives in britain well you know i think that it was it originally a horse race possibly 
Um, you know, I don't know the answer to that. I tried to Google it real quickly, and it tells me stuff about horses, which, you know, I don't, I don't really want to have to read about because I'm an anti-horse person. I'm not just not a horse person. I'm just actively afraid of horses, and I don't understand the fascination with horses. <laughs> I know. I'm going to have a lot of people that are hating me for that, but, like, are you laughing because I'm afraid of horses or because I hate horses? I think I'm laughing more that you're afraid of them. They are giant. But you know beasts. what? There's something that you can you don't have to go see a horse if you don't want to. Like if you're afraid of a spider, like you're going to see spiders and you don't even know it. They're going to be in your shower. They're going to be There's not going to be a horse in your gonna, shower. You're going to eat them in your sleep. You know what? In though? your lifetime. I, I don't want to get close to a horse <laughs> maybe is like the takeaway from that. Oh. And I I don't understand, you know, as a middle school teacher, I get a lot of kids every year who they're horse and their oeuvre of books they read is strictly horse. There's a lot of people that are into <laughs> horses. So when I lived in Furcrest, we were butted up against Yeah, the forest lands that allow horses. Well, and then our neighbor had horses. And one morning the horse broke through the fence and I got up, had a cup of coffee, and there was a horse nose to window. With my window, <laughs> dude. There's a there's a meme there that we found that I showed you. Yes, you did show me that meme, <laughs> where you're the guy wakes up sleeping in a tent and he looks up and there's a horse standing there. That would be Rock's worst nightmare. So they are a horse big. standing at you. I could see them being a little in- intimidating just in size. Yeah, and you know when I say scared of a horse, like obviously. I could get close to a horse and not feel. Would you be able to out. ride a horse that's well trained? I just don't have a desire to. So I I did a, a four hour trip through the Bryce Canyon on a mule. Well, I had a mule. It was called Smoke and Joe because they <laughs> there was a couple that had horses, but you're we're, we're talking about straight cliffs. Yes, and you're just trusting this animal. And a guide, bad choice, named Buck. And literally, I am like on the side of the horse, like leaning to the right, away from the cliff crevasse. And then, and then all of a sudden, the one hoof like misses a little, and then gets back on. Oh, and goes all the way down the canyon. It was amazing, but just going down, you, you is literally. Terrible. You're combining my worst fears right there. I'm so, afraid of heights. It was I don't so, want to ride animals. Was, one of the greatest experiences of my life, though, was in Iceland, riding Icelandic horses. Uh, that is true. O- along, like, fjords? Uh, just in the back country. Wow. You know, Icelandic horses are a little smaller. Okay. Um, don't call them ponies. They don't like that. <laughs> Icelandic ponies. How long ago was this? Oh, maybe six years. Okay. And then he swam in a... Well, the Blue Lagoon, right? Oh, yeah. I did. I swam in the Blue Lagoon. But there was, there was another geothermal pool there called the Secret Lagoon that I liked more. It was a little more rustic. The Blue Lagoon is so commercial. Yeah. Yeah. But it's something you got to do when you go there. But if you go to Iceland, I would recommend um, an Icelandic horse tour. Uh, <laughs> They're small. <laughs> Or smaller. Okay. Uh, I was bucked okay. off a horse once. Yeah, I don't need to hear that. <laughs> when I was ten. Where? Um, actually, right over there. 
Did you fall on your so head? So that would in be the on the bottom of D and 12th where those duplexes are right next to Kiwanis. But that, they weren't there then. No, it was all uh, just a field fenced in with Michelle Basetich. What? <laughs> like, isn't there a... That's her name. I graduated. She grew up with me in this neighborhood. And her friend had a horse. And so I went for a ride. And it just decided to buck me off. And I actually landed on my feet. What? That's crazy. When it bucked me off. You're like (laughs) Spider-Man. I don't know. I I think it was 100% luck. (laughs) All right. I've talked enough about horses for a lifetime at this point. I'd much rather talk about the greatest guitar players ever. Jason, do you want to tell us more about this? So we decided that we would come up with just, instead of a genre of music, just come up with guitar players. And it doesn't necessarily have to be your favorite. It's just, who are they? Now, this is going to be a topic, Swappy, that's a lot of people, I think, we're going to get texts in the next few days. Oh, for sure. You know, that we, we and, forgot. I know. And we did with last, and I don't want to go down a rabbit hole here, but fact checking the three person bands. The three person bands. Immediately the next day, I had three people tell me Wilson Phillips. You know, the best part about all this, you know how many texts I get? Bubkiss, yes. zero. Yeah. The only thing that maybe happens is someone says to me, Brandy Carlisle. That's about yeah. it. <sighs> I don't think Brandy Carlisle is going to qualify for this. Same person that told me Wilson Phillips. (laughs) Shout out out to one of our loyal listeners, golden ticket holder, Holly Besmer. Wow, she got a golden ticket? She did. She, yes, she did. She's earned it. She has. She's a loyal listener. But you know what? Wilson Phillips, we were looking for female three-person bands, and I think we came up with a couple. We did, Bananarama. Um, but Wilson Phillips, they were, they were a big deal back in the nineties. I've never heard of them. You've never heard oh of Wilson my Phillips? Goodness. Holy crap, Rock. <laughs> <laughs> no way. They're related to Brian Wilson and of the, of the Beach Boys. And, uh, maybe, uh, John Phillips Sousa? <laughs> no. 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 Is that the Star Spangled Banner? No, he was a, the namesake of the Sousa phone. Oh. All right. Okay. So greatest guitar players. So the first few that come to mind for me are Jimi Hendrix, Seattle legend, Jimmy Page of Zeppelin. I actually uh, played my favorite song of Zeppelin today with your son, Ty. What was the song? No Quarter. Hmm. Oh, wow. I I think a lot of that is... uh, I think No Quarter is a heavy bass song. It is. You know who their but, bassist is? Um, yes. John Paul Jones. Yep. So I don't think that I would have that's your favorite. No well, Quarter. it's one yeah, it's right. Yes, it is. I love No Quarter. Because when when Paige goes off on just that riff, like it just keeps going. Yeah. Um I mean, Kelly, that, Kelly thinks that when I listen to that, I'm like in 1970, like in a field, eating something. You know, the great thing about from Led the, Zeppelin... <laughs> from the earth. <laughs> is they have so many different sounds that you, you could pick. Yes. 
20 different songs and be legitimately, yeah, that's their best one. But Jimi Hendrix, Jimmy Page, uh, Eddie Van Halen. Oh, yeah. Prince. I mean, Eddie Van Halen, I felt, I mean, I just was in love with Van Halen. I think partly because of MTV, because the videos were so good. Well, you know, the, the videos were good, and every, you know, and I hesitate to call Van Halen a hair band, but every hair band had that lead guitarist. And in the video, they'd be out there doing a solo with their big hair and their cool guitar. But yeah, what, how about Slash? So Slash, I mean, I think it was as I got older, more high, high school and beyond, 90s and just his the top hat and just what he you know how he put the guitar vertical mm-hmm. when he played like no one else did that and i think i'm not a guitar guy like i don't know anything about the i can't play the guitar but like slash is one of those guys where when you hear a solo you can you kind of know it's slash without even knowing the song or who it is. It's just, there's something about him where it's like, it's not all, there's not all these notes. It's just the tone. Yeah, there seems to be an energy yeah. when he plays. That he gets right into it. Um, I mean, you know, thinking about playing the guitar in different ways, say different angles, to me, like that's where Eddie Eddie Van Halen is like, there from the standpoint of like eruption eruption oh yeah you know he's playing it without you know he's playing it all on the fretboard to where he's 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 um oh shoot he's hammering on and off um i can play the guitar a little bit um and that's that's challenging to do the stuff that he's so when you're hammering on and off you're just Kicking ass on the guitar. In other words, you hit the string so hard with your finger that it makes the note down at the bottom. And then when you hammer off, you you like sort of flick it and therefore it makes that that note. Yeah. I I oh, I think also one more two more. I I I'm just checking our notes. He's not even on there and I I can't believe it. But Angus Young was fun for me. He's he's right there. No, I know oh. him, but one more. But Angus Young of ACDC was just... Oh, for sure. Like he's that, iconic. Like just how people will show up to his concerts, dads with five-year-olds, and their five-year-olds dressed just like Angus Young. Yeah. Like how would your mom let you... How would your wife let you take your five-year-old to a concert with 100,000 people? And dress him up like Angus Young. I've never been to an ACDC concert. I've been to one, and it was amazing. I think we talked about it briefly. We did. But he just, I mean, how he just rocks. I don't know how you do that, where he does mm. that one leg yeah. across the stage. And then he just plays with the like the boogeyman. He'll play, play to the crowd. And the riffs are just, everyone knows ACDC. So who else do you got? So my guy that's not on here, I can't believe I forgot him, Tom Morello. That's who my number one is right there. Oh, I can't believe I didn't have him down. So and he he the thing that's cool about him is he makes the guitar make noises that guitars don't make. Yep. Yeah. He changed. No, yeah. I mean I, So um Rage Against the Machine 
and then Audio Slave. I liked both of them when I was younger and didn't know enough about music that I realized it was the same guitarist. But when I realized it was the same, it was one of those moments where I was like, yes, it sounds the exact same. Like he has such a distinct style where he can make the guitar make sounds that are like highly distorted static garbage sounds that fit perfectly within what he's trying to play. Yeah, and Raging Against the Machine was so recent Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee, really? by the way. Yeah, yep, this year. They were just so they they their sound is um it, there's nothing else like it. It's rap, funk, metal, and then Morello's weird guitar noises. And it all has a purpose for them. Like they're trying to, they also have a social cause. 100% correct. Hey, I've got a question for you, a little trivia. What band at different times featured three different greatest guitarists that are currently on that list right there? It's an old, um, it's an I, old one. I think I, I think I know the Yardbirds. That's correct. Oh! Do you know which three? Jeff Beck, Eric Jimmy Clapton. Page, Eric Clapton. There you go. That's crazy that those three yeah. would be in the same. Well, so you think, so Rock, what are a couple of yours? Uh, so, you know, when I was first learning how to play guitar my freshman year of college, uh, the guy across the hall was teaching me, and he introduced me to a guy named Joe Satriani. And he was one of those guys that... I don't think he was in any famous bands really, but he just played so much solo guitar on his own and would sing a little bit as well. And everything, like the whole song essentially is a guitar solo. If you've never listened to him, uh, I think one of his more famous first songs was Surfing with Alien. So check that out. He's he's crazy. He's phenomenal. I've listened to him. You have? Yeah. And it was all instrumental. Yeah, right? it oh, is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's like 10 minutes of just shredding, just just weird. Oh, it's crazy but it, how but good. It's, it's melodic to yes. where you don't get fatigued. Yeah. Like, you know, by the end of a guitar solo, it's like, yes, that was time. So one, what, any others? Um, one that's not on the list, uh, have you heard of Dream Theater or Liquid Tension Experiment? John Petrucci, he's, he's sort of same level there with joe satriani just shreds you know um and i think i don't know if liquid tension or liquid tension spirit experiment is totally just um instruments no singing but then the other one i would say for me that is on this list is kirk hammett like for metallica. I, oh, I love metallica yeah. i yeah i, just I mean if it. you th but you you know i don't there's so many guys and women on this list like on the list of just you know, I was trying to think of a couple that like metal guys. So you have uh, Dimebag Daryl. The late, great Dimebag Daryl. Randy Rhodes. The late, great Randy Rhodes. Which, when we talked ahead of time, that actually was in my, probably my top three. Like, I'd probably put him there instead of just uh, uh, John Petrucci. Like, when I was in high school, if there was a song that I needed to get, needed me to get hyped up for a football game it was like crazy train or uh, howl at the moon mm. any of those aussie songs that he played like just i was oh, ready yeah. bark at the moon yes 
Yes, that was. So we played that today on the way up to the basketball. Bark at the Moon. Love that song. Um, One of mine, just because I, it's my favorite band, and every concert, he plays different solos for different songs, and they're never the same. Who's that? Mike McCready. Oh. So every time he plays Black live, his solo could be a minute to two minutes wow and it's just it's just amazing so like the my favorite version of black is is from live on two legs and he goes off for two minutes and just it's crazy but it's a different solo you know so if you look at like rolling stones have you ever seen i used to subscribe all for years They'd have like a top 100 guitar players. Hmm. Um, but if you think like a few, you know, Brian May of Queen, mm-hmm. Chuck Berry, Richie Blackmore, I'm just reading a list, Dwayne Allman. I mean, I still, I love um, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Stevie Ray Vaughan is amazing. How about Steve Vai? Steve Vai. So do you remember the David Lee Roth Eat Him and Smile album with the talking guitar? Remember Yankee Rose? Oh, yeah. The video? Yeah. Where the guitar is talking to David Lee Roth? Mm -hmm. Steve Vai. Do you remember the movie Crossroads with Ralph Macchio? Anybody remember that movie? No, I don't. Oh, my God, you guys. I I, know. I mean, I've seen it. I know Rock hasn't seen it. So, Ralph, (laughs) quick recap. Okay, because this is amazing. Ralph Macchio... He looked like he was 17, but he was probably 41 years old at the time. Ralph Macchio, karate kid, uh, makes a deal with the devil, you know, a la Robert Johnson, you know, the old Mississippi Delta blues guy who purportedly made a deal with the devil. So Ralph Macchio, to get out of this deal with the devil, the climactic scene in the movie is he needs to win a guitar battle with this you know, demonic guitar person who is played by Steve Vai. Oh. <laughs> That's perfect. He's not going to win. I mean, and he looks crazy, Steve He Vai. does. He does. And this is like 1988 when it was like, the year might be wrong, but it like when he was in his heyday. And uh, it's a good movie. So spoiler alert, Ralph Macchio ends up just shredding and Steve Vai locks up, and he's like released from this deal he's made with Satan. Oh, that's uh, it's crazy how much of a trope that is. People selling their soul to the devil to play music, like Oh Brother Where Art Thou? That guy they find on the side of the road does correct. the same thing. And then what? Charlie Daniels Band wrote a yeah. wrote a song about yeah. that. Devil went down to Georgia looking for a soul to steal. Mm-hmm. Mm. So a couple song. more. I mean, Knopfler, Dire Straits. Yeah. In, you know, that's another one where his sound is unique. Yes. Which, which I really appreciate. You can you can go out there and shred and you can play whatever sort of um, like key that you're playing in. And that's, you know, like say for your guy McCready, like that's why he's doing a minute or a two minute. He's just free. free always, I think he just is decides great. it right then. Well, no, it is. Absolutely. It's like how he feels. He's like, oh, this is and just keeps going. It's like in Seattle, it's longer. It's well, art. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's 
that I love that too. And I'm glad that some people do that. And then with Knopfler, I'm glad that he has such a different sound. I don't mm-hmm. want to hear all the guitar lo- solo yeah. sounding the same. And then uh, I don't, how do you pronounce Black Sap? Tony Iami? I don't I have know. no idea how to pronounce so, it. So, like that, when you talk about like the original hard rock was Black Sabbath. Like just create uh, oh. maybe the original metal or your metal or whatever. Yeah. yeah. See, I don't think of them as metal, but then they probably were. I mean, metal is almost like a spirit. You know what I'm saying? Like it's an intention with the music. Like you're trying to be hardcore. And well, like. then they're metal. Hey, and special shout out to Noodles from The Offspring. Noodles. Yeah. Is that their guitar player? Yeah. <laughs> I love The Offspring. <laughs> so uh, we were on our way up yesterday, and Brennan, they hadn't heard of him. They hadn't heard of The Offspring? Well, he heard of a couple songs, but he didn't know, like, The Offspring. So Smash is the number one all-time. Is that the one? All-time best-selling album on an independent label. Really? Yes. 15 million. Wow. I think. Another one, one, Kim Thale, Soundgarden. Oh, my gosh. Jerry Cantrell. Jerry Cantrell. Okay, sorry. Offspring? That's so funny for me. Offspring is like the Americana album, and that's it. Like, that's really all I know for Offspring. So it's funny that you're saying Smash is... Well, Smash was the first one, so keep it separated, uh, self-esteem. Too fly for a white guy? Yeah. So a few more I'm going to list. Townsend, Keith Richards, John Mayer, Carlos Santana. Ooh. Santana is good. Yes. David Gilmore from... Pink Floyd. Oh. Yo. Neil oh. Young? Well, hey, how about Joe Perry? Joe Perry, Joe Walsh. You skipped over Dwayne Allman, I believe. Oh, I was going there. Which, like, the Allman brothers. Yeah. Have, have you guys seen the Muscle Shoals documentary? No. Mm-mm. I mean, it's, like, required watching. This is one of those moments where I've seen something you haven't. Just to, just to, it's on Amazon Prime, I believe. So the just name of it again? Muscle Shoals. It, it was basically there was this band of guys that were the house band, and all of these famous people eventually would go down there and record. And it's this tiny little, little town, I believe, in Louisiana or Mississippi. Uh, there's nothing really else there. And bands like Rolling Stones would come down there, and they would cut albums because the guys that were there in the studio were so... So studio... Yes. Yeah, they were studio players. Yes. And they got credit on tons of different um, albums. So just what you were talking about, um, I was rolling into Steinman's to buy our beer of the week. And the guy that works there, I think his name is Mike. And Swap, you're going to love this. Yeah. As soon as I roll in, he's got like the, the TV on the right and it plays music. Yes. yes. He's got the beard. Yep. Yep. I and was just in there. Tom Sawyer comes on. Oh, my <laughs> God. No. It was, it was so funny. Oh. And so I'm like... I go, hey, we're doing a podcast tonight. And he looks at me and we're doing top guitarists. And he pulls off the names of these guys that are studio. He's like, hey, these guys don't get all the credit, but they're amazing. Yeah. There's hundreds of them. I know. And you know, Mike from Steinman's, you, if you talk to him. Oh, he know, he's. I told him we're going to Kiss. And he he's knows like, a oh, lot about a lot. He does. Yeah. Yeah. 
So a couple more. Um, Frank Zappa, B.B. King. Uh, I don't know if I said Joe Walsh. Uh, John Frusciante from Chili Peppers. Mm-hmm. And then I found a few women. I I know there's a lot more. Okay. Nancy Wilson. Oh, we've talked about her. Dude, when she plays Crazy on You mm. or Barracuda, like. So I think she's another one. When you, when you hear a heart solo, oh, it's, it's got a different sound. Lita Ford. We and talked we, about Lita Ford earlier. And we play, we I played that song today. What's the, is it, what, Close Your Eyes or? Yes. And it's, it's with her and Ozzy. Do you remember the video? Oh, yeah. And our boys today were just enthralled. Like, this is Ozzy and Le- uh, Lita Ford. So they looked her up. So, Joan Jett. Joan Jett. And then Joni Mitchell are the, is what I came up and with. And she's Canadian, as we found out. Yes. From our Canadian episode. Yep. Any others? I know we're going to get... We're going to get all kinds of stuff. I, we probably you forgot this. We mentioned 50 names. <laughs> but, so, but, Heather, preemptive. I know we forgot somebody. So, hey, real quick. Do you... I mean, Kurt Cobain... Is he a great guitar player, or was it just part of the whole mystique and band? You know, when I think about, and you guys know a lot more about grunge and music in general than I do, especially when it was made before 2000, but uh, when I think about grunge, I don't think about guitar solos. Like, it wasn't really a big part of the grunge music, was it? No. Yeah. Yeah. Which you know, like just just like the like when you think of Soundgarden, the power of like outshined. It's more the vocals for those guys, like Lane Staley. Yeah, and, and the the like the words. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I think that we're ready for a beer of the week, unless that's after our break. Warren, that's after the break. Is that that's after the break? Yeah. Okay, I'm just gonna go one more. Warren D. Martini. Rat. <laughs> oh, there you know what? All of those 80s bands, there's some great guitar players. It's true. We, that, we didn't I just don't, any of those. No, we don't. I don't know. I mean, what about Mick Mars? The the thing is, those bands were like greater than the sum of their parts. Like individually great people, but they were when you think about maybe but they had some great. They had great solos. Yeah, I mean Motley Crue solos. I love their solos. But when I think about Motley Crue, I just think about like their presence, persona, and what they yeah. looked like. All what about kind of who stuff. was the guitar player for Poison? Uh, CC Deville. Yeah, I couldn't have pulled that one out. No, and then you know who the drummer's name is? <laughs> Ricky, Ricky Rocket. Yes, yes. <laughs> Can't be his real name. Yes, it is. Well, maybe he changed it in 1983. Well, if his name was not Ricky Rocket, I sure hope he changed it to it. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think it's time for us to take a break before we return uh, and find out a little bit of more, a little bit more about You'll Get Nothing and Like It IPA from Georgetown Brewing. Ooh.
Welcome back to the View from the Rock podcast. Uh, we are getting into our beer of the week right now. And the beer of the week is You'll Get Nothing and Like It IPA uh, from Georgetown Brewing in Seattle, Washington. So local one, fairly local. I'd never heard of this before. Uh, Jason, did we get this from uh, a fan of the podcast or at least someone who knows that we do this, whether they like the podcast or not? We got this from a loyal fan, Mr. Josh Johnston. Hmm. Ooh. So I was over at his house the other day, and yeah. he says, he always pulls out a random IPA. He likes he go, to. And he goes, here, try this one. Yeah. He goes, make sure to read the label. You're, you will get nothing and like it. Is that from the movie Caddyshack? It's one of the greatest 10 seconds in a movie. Cinematic history. Where Judge Smales is grandson walks up to the concessions and says i'll take a cheeseburger a hamburger a hot dog i want some nachos and then of course judge smale says you will get nothing and like it in a little different voice so you've got like the end of citizen kane you have the end of casablanca and you have that 10 seconds in caddyshack no it's, you just named two of the greatest films of all time. I, I bet Jason's have. never seen this. I have seen one of them. Fair. Oh, no. You know, I've seen both. I have. It was a long time ago. The only reason I've seen those two movies is because of Mr. Hancock at the high school. I took his 20th, 20th century film class, I believe, or history through film. Great film. Great movies. So... What's it say on the label? So you'll get nothing and like it IPA. When someone says you'll get nothing and like it, hope this is the beer they put in your hand. An unfiltered golden IPA with minimal bitterness packed with aromas and flavors of pineapple, strawberry, ripened citrus, and pine. Ooh. Oh, I like that. So, real quick, I think this beer, and I'll say one more thing about it in just a second, but isn't it, it's kind of, it looks like the in between a Bodie and a Lucille? It's, well, first of all, it's a beautiful can. Because it's from Georgetown. And Georgetown, we've talked about this before, every beer they do... Is good. Yes. They don't do anything poorly. And it's a beautiful can. When you go to the store, you're used to seeing the Bodie, the Lucille, the Johnny Utah. And this new beer just jumps out at you because of the color. The can. Just the picture of the can. Yeah, I don't know if they have any, unfortunately, uh, colors quite like this. It's a little bit of a sea home color scheme plus the um, orange. You know what? It is 100% Seahome colors. Can't so drink this will anymore. be the one time that we'll enjoy <laughs> this beer. Okay, yes. so... Even though we hate Seahome. You notice where they normally have the G inside the flaming circle? They have like a shield and it says Ignali. And I don't know what that is. No, that's... It's uh, uh, um, an acronym 
Okay. You, you'll, you'll, you'll get, get nothing, nothing and like it. it. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to buy the, one of those flags. But do you notice in the middle there's a gopher? Oh, yes. With golf clubs behind it. Holy mackerel. The detail. Yeah. They knew what they were doing. They knew exactly what they were doing. There's more to this beer than meets the eye. So, hey, it pours a mostly clear medium to dark, I think. Modest head. Smell is super juicy. Taste is juicy without being too sweet. Bitter. I get some pineapple for sure. You're describing a beer now, right? Yes. I'm describing the beer that we have just been drinking. You know, because you didn't actually give us any glasses to pour this into, I just had to pour it into my hand, and it is mostly clear. Shockingly so. <laughs> so it's 6.6% ABV, and Untapped gives it a 4.27 out of 5. Ooh. Does it have an IBU? I did not get that. Um, the bitterness. I'm not very bitter. No. I don't see anything on the can indicating it's international bitterness units. A lot juicier than bitter. Yeah. I I mean, they do, like you said, every beer they do is great. Um, this is going to be up there with some uh, one of my favorites they do. I really like it. I just wish they had different colors. I'm looking at the can. It's unfortunate. You know, you get a little beer koozie on that. It take, takes care of it. It says, we like beer. Please refrigerate. Warm beer sucks. Georgetown Brewing. That's their mantra. Have you ever had a warm beer swap? Multiple times. Yes. Have you ever had a not only warm, but you've went to bed and the next day you've woken up and you found a beer that didn't get finished and drank that one? Because that is the bottom. Flat, warm <laughs> beer. Yes. And you can't even remember whether it's your own. Is Would that be... Hopefully in college. Yeah, no, you know, except for one of my friends, I don't, I don't do this, and I'm not judging anyone who does. But he often tells me that he likes to take a beer with him to bed, and he'll often only finish about half of it. And when he wakes up the next morning, we'll finish it. <laughs> I have never done that, I've never and I'm done not that. judging anyone. No, no judgment here. <laughs> but yeah, I've never done that. So what would you pair this beer with? I think you'd pair, pair it with uh, some wonderful barbecue food. I think that's a great segue. Wow. Um, you know, we didn't talk about who wanted to go first, but I'm, I'm happy to. Anyone so what, what is our led? top three again, Ruck? Okay, top three, top three uh, grilled or barbecued foods. Now, when we talked about this ahead of time, we said no smokers, no, no Traegers, green eggs. So there's no smokers. It's okay. charcoal or gas. But if you're a, a skilled fella, you could definitely do some smoking on a, a Weber with charcoal. So I, I guess we'll say no devices that are purpose built for smoking. Does that sound good? So my Bradley smoker is eliminated. Wow. So you have a you have a pellet smoker, is that what you're telling I me? I do. Yeah. It looks like a little mini fridge. <laughs> and he listened to you. 
How do you like it? I like it. What do you he does like? a good meatloaf. I do a great smoked meatloaf. Yes, it's amazing. Uh, like, is it big? Like, you could smoke a brisket in it? Yeah, I've smoked a brisket in there. Mm. You know... And a turkey. Okay. I mean, I'm... Honestly, I don't have a purpose-built smoker, so I'm a little jealous because I'd love to be able to do a smoked brisket. So that <laughs> that anger is probably just more like smoker envy. <laughs> well... <laughs> I don't I disagree. <laughs> what, you think that people shouldn't have smokers? No, I just I think that you, you were bashing smokers. Yeah. 100% I was. No, I know. So uh, how so I think this? so I when I think of how I grew up, I grew up with a Weber. I grew up with charcoal only. Yeah. Never never gas, never. Just charcoal. And learn from my dad, like how to barbecue with coals. Well, and you which count is them. hard. You count them. We do count them on yes. certain things, like just the direct heat. How hot? I mean, I don't even know the temperature because I don't. I didn't. I never used a thermometer. I use my mind and I use my thumb. Those are two tremendous weapons. Like that. Like for a piece of meat, and then and then you go. <laughs> So, so the quote, oh the quote of the day is I used my mind and my thumb. That is so, for the tongs. Can you tell me what you used the thumb for specifically? So the thumb is to just touch the meat and you know. Oh, my God. You guys are crazy. Uh, we've lost it here at the Yellow Dog Studios. Uh, so, you know... <laughs> <laughs> Boom, got me. <laughs> um, maybe I'll get us back on track by introducing my uh, number three item. <clears throat> In my top three, excuse me. Uh, number three for me that I really like like as a barbecue food at this time of the year. Um, and I would just preface by saying, when I grew up, it was propane only. There was no charcoal in my house. Uh, at this point though, kind of use a little bit of both. For this one in particular, you could use uh, charcoal or propane uh, in its brats. And Ooh. the way that I like to do brats is I like to get a little aluminum foil pan. Uh, you know, it's made one of the ones that's like three inches deep and you pour in like a light lager in there um, and then onions and then you put the, the brats in there. And you let that boil up. So you cook the brats that way. And then once you know that they've cooked all the way through, so you don't get that middle ring of raw, right, right. then you can put it on the, I prefer charcoal, and get some some smoky sort of grilling going. That's, that's my number three. Just nice and simple. If you want to, you can take the onions off. You don't want to let the, the beer condense down because, especially if you were didn't have anything other than maybe an IPA, you might get some bitter flavors on the onions. Um, and if you wanted to, you could throw some sauerkraut in there in that little sour, uh, brat soup that you have going on. Well, and and the, the, you you nailed it with the brats there. They're hard to cook. If you have a brat that's not pre-cooked, they're hard to cook well without having the middle part of it kind of raw. Yeah. Or and, crack. Yeah. 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 So, so doing like, it like the skin on the outside bursting yeah. and then all the juices coming out. Yeah, yeah, and you can do it in water. 
But if you're if you're gonna do it in water, do it in beer. Yeah, absolutely. So we do. I do a, when we do that. Is I do like direct heat for a little bit, and then we do indirect. So move all the coals to the outside, mm-hmm. and then we put them in and just indirect them for. 30 minutes. And you're a coal counter. I'm a coal counter. On no, I've seen things. you operate. Yes. Yeah. And, and, you know, if you don't want to do the brats in the beer, beer, onion, sauerkraut soup, you can absolutely do what you're saying. You take the the coals on one side. You, I normally like to start it on the indirect side, and you put the cover down. You put the holes over top of the indirect side so you get the smoke going over them. And as soon as they start to look um, pink and dried out, then at that point – you can move them over to that direct side and brown them up. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, that, I was fighting for that for my number three. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. So it's not your number three? No. Tell my us. number three is, so it, it would be a whole chicken, but, or, or a couple of Cornish game hens. Oh. I've never had a Cornish game hen. They're, it's like a small, it, can it's you, like, it's similar to a chicken, but maybe a little bit tighter. Would you agree with that? Yes. More compact? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we do, I'll do that indirect for 47 minutes. Like on a beer can or just? No, not beer butt. I mean, I love beer butt chicken, but just a, a indirect. You have skin side up or down? We're, it's straight. Skin side down. Okay. And it's heavily seasoned. Uh-huh. We that that's the key for and then like fifteen coals on each side. Here's what here we're counting. Mm-hmm. And probably forty four to fifty one minutes. But that is the one time where you're like when you think you're done, you break off a little piece to try it as the you know oh. the guy on the grill. Yeah, you break off a little piece, and it's always good. you don't you don't uh, thermo- thermometer. We do, yeah, we do. I do. You don't probe. We do. Okay, um, but just that piece. Yeah, and you know, but yeah, Cornish game hen is like a smaller version of a chicken, but it's the same parts. It's like the I, same anatomically. Yes. Yes. It just reminds me of the conversation from Seinfeld. When they go over to the Ross's house and George Costanza's father is, they're having a Cornish game hen and he asks what it is. And he says, well, it's, it's a chicken. He says, so let me get this straight. There's a chicken and there's a hen and there's a rooster. Like the rooster's having sex with both of them. And he's just like, that's perverse. (laughs) He's, he can't understand yeah, that's that's correct. We always had Cornish game hens growing up. Well, you know, they were, I I think were it's a cheaper? generational thing. Yeah. I don't know now if you can go to the store and find a Cornish game hen. I think you can. It's probably frozen, right? Probably. But, and I hate things that are frozen. I think Understand. that when we bought them, they weren't. Right. But I remember having those all the time. Right? In the 80s, oh, yeah. late 70s, 80s. Yes. You would have a whole hen yes. yourself. Yes. Yeah. The family, like you were a family of four. Yeah. You would have four 
Cornish game hands and maybe some mashed potatoes on the side. Yes. Right? Wow. We'd have two. Two? Not four. <laughs> I never had my own. You didn't have your <laughs> no, own hen? But it was. it felt bigger than just four. Did you have uh But we had we would go through two when I was like eleven and my sister was nine and my parents. Tons of mashed potatoes and a veggie. Oh God. And my mom made the best. She so green beans with tomato sauce and bacon. What? So green beans and then like a tomato sauce out of a can and then fried bacon and then you put it all together. And then she'd let it simmer. So it's amazing. I've did, never heard of that. Oh my god, it's so good. Did you ever have a liver and onions with bacon? No, my liver and onions were without bacon. Oh, never had liver. You've never had liver? No. I'm not against it. I've just never had the opportunity. Your parents never. I was forced to have liver uh, and onion liver twice a month. From my like ages eight to fifteen, and you might have gout now because of it. My dad, <laughs> my dad would order liver and onions when we go to a really nice hole in the wall breakfast joint. I still do. When they say, "Hey, what's the best thing on the menu?" The liver and onions. He's like, Jason is pointing his finger to this guy, and yeah, he's. I would never. I, I would not do that. But you know, fresh. I've had fresh liver, like uncooked. No, cooked two hours after it's killed. And also, I've eaten bear heart on Raw? a grill that night. Oh. Are these things good? Yes. Are you Hannibal Lecter? No. Or are you that guy we hear about who just eats the only eats raw? But livers? you know what? Those like when you think about an animal that you've killed it's probably the best meat you could ever eat because there's nothing like they've lived off the land like, yeah it's there's no impurities no yeah so that's why venison you look at that like there was a teacher i think you would uh, it was before man i forget his name well anyway my dad would bring back the liver and heart of the animal and give it to him and he was a teacher at the high school you would know his name. Vaughn Weber. Vaughn Weber. Yeah, I love organ meat. I feel like I've heard some stories about Vaughn Weber. So he would bring back, like when, when he was a student, he basically said, I'll give you an A if you bring back the heart and liver for me. Wow. So he'd come back and he'd bring him the heart and liver. Simpler times. You know, I would just like to caveat, part of the reason I never had liver was that, uh, you know, there's a genetic... What, oh gosh, a genetic, not malfunction or disorder, but defect or whatever, mutation, there we go. Mutation where, you know, got people in general, but guys are more susceptible to it, have too much iron in their bodies and it can deposit in different parts of your bodies and is bad for you. Uh, so that's one reason we never had liver because uh, my dad definitely had too high iron levels. And so that's why I also normally don't have and liver well. is high in iron. Super high yes. in iron. Organ meat is high in iron. So, swapping number three. Number three. So, I'm going to go right now with uh, our friend, Mr. Johnston. Yeah. And one of his best things that he does on a grill 
You ready? Yes. I'm trying to think. Burger topper. Oh, I wasn't sure if you were going to go with that topper. or fake cheese, real cheese. <laughs> oh, I didn't even think about fake cheese, real cheese. <laughs> burger topper. Are you familiar with burger topper? I mean, burger topper is sort of a deriv. It's like a branch of burgers. Like it's not just. It's like a burger topping, obviously burger topper. But tell us, tell us more. So, always bacon. And then the rest of it is whatever it is that day. It could be onion, mushroom, pepper, cheese. All of those things could be in burger topper. On top of the bacon. Yes. And you normally throw some barbecue sauce? You could, but it it is whatever Mr. Johnston thinks of that day. And burger topper is amazing. And it... It goes on top of the burger underneath then the cheese that would normally go over the burger. Correct. He puts it between the burger and the cheese. Kind of hold it in place. Yes. And then the top cheese on top. And there's a lot of smiling and laughing while he does it. <laughs> well, you know, he's a little upset right now because his smoker... Dead. ...went tea up. Really? Yeah. It's sitting outside the fence. I don't know know if it still is, is it? It is, as of yesterday. You know, if he puts a free sign on that, somebody will take it. Yeah. You know, the burger topper is interesting because you technically make it in a pan on the stovetop. What, the sides or the stuff, the toppers? He does it on the grill. Okay. (laughs) Are you sure? I think he does. I think you could. I think he does. With a little pan. Yes. Yeah, it's a great concoction. Kind of like the brat soup. Yeah, hey, fair. You could do that on a stove too. There you go. You got me. Um, number two, none of you have heard of this before. Um, this is called Moo Ping. So what you do is you take some uh, like pork shoulder and you cut it nice and thin. So you, it helps if you maybe put it in the freezer for a little bit to help um, solidify it so you can cut it nice and thin. Thinner the better. Uh, you marinate it in uh, fish sauce and coconut sugar and cilantro and garlic. And then you take it out of the bag and you put it on two skewers, almost like you're doing, um, like you're making it nice and flat and thin, like as if you're going to do El Pastor pork that was going to rotate. But you're going to put it on two skewers. And then while you've been doing that, you've taken bricks that you've wrapped in aluminum foil and you put it in the base of your charcoal grill. You put the charcoals inside those bricks. So it's got this funnel of mm-hmm. heat that's just going up. And then you put those skewers over the top of it and you rotate them as you're basting it in um, coconut milk, sweetened coconut milk. That sounds amazing. I think we lost. <laughs> well, that's just number I'm two. Just, I know, but co- the coconut gets me, though. I don't like coconut. You, you know what? You don't even know you're eating coconut. Okay. I just don't like any part of coconut. It's it's one of my favorite things to make. Well, that's I would love wow. to. I would love maybe on uh, the August day that 8th. I come down. Yeah, let's do it. Swap it. Can't make it. He's going to be in the Dominican Republic. What? I thought we decided a day where he could. Um, we need to check the calendar, but yeah, I think it's the second week. 
right. that he can be there. Sorry, not to lose the audience, but we're talking about uh, not the secret podcast, but a uh, beach house podcast, which hopefully will be beach themed. Yes. Yeah. I think summer beers. Ooh. Ooh. Like a summer shandy? Or a goza? Uh, the summer shandy. My wife loves. I've never had one. The Linen Kugel. The Linen Kugel. <laughs> I didn't even know how to pronounce it, and so now I do. So I might have one with you. Do you add lime or lemon? No, I don't think you add anything. I think it's already. It's not skunky. No, it's. I'm shandy. joking. There's no dank. <laughs> I know. I think it's lemonade and Pilsner. More. Okay, tell, number, tell two. number two. Number two for me is. Not too many people will ever do this just because you have to actually catch the fish. So it's salmon, and it's on the Weber charcoal. Uh, I spent all my life watching my dad perfect it. He's done, like, wedding rehearsal, like, what, like different parties where we've had to put together, like, six or seven salmon, and all on Weber. So it's charcoal only. 17 coals on each side. We do the tin foil on the grill so it doesn't leak. Yeah. But we're adding some alder or cedar, like wood chips that have been soaking in water. So, and then we put those on gradually. The thing with the salmon, though, is, and it's all indirect heat, it's 43 to 47 minutes. It's about how you season it. Yeah. I mean, think about when you go somewhere and you have some salmon. They're like, oh, try this salmon. And it's like, like it's not, it doesn't, it tastes like. So 90, like 98% of the people in the world overcook their salmon. Correct. And they under season it. Yeah. So, like, we, we will do these and then give someone some, and they're like, oh, my God, this is the greatest. Like, what do you do? So part of it is you take the filet, you slice it widthwise, and you open it and season inside the fish. We don't add butter. There's no onions. When you say season, you just mean salt, right? No, there's multiple seasonings. Secret. There's one secret. Hmm. But like Johnny's, like there's a few, salt and pepper, but it's all about indirect and it almost, I mean, everyone feels like it's like a smoked salmon, but it's moist. Hmm. And so that it's amazing. Yeah. So I actually made that when I proposed to Kelly. Wow. And then found out she doesn't like salmon. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's perfect. And so Jeff Merle, Merle Inc., we're going to have some Merle Inc. merch, too, at the Secret, Secret Podcast. Podcast. He was there, and Tim and Tara. No, it was, but it was, it's just, it's an amazing how you can make something where you do that, and it tastes so, everyone, I mean, it's not bad. I mean, some people don't like heavy seasoning, but it's not like over, over, over seasoned. But I've never gone to a restaurant I will never order salmon. No, ever, I never do. Ever. Because yeah. it's like, I, I already know how to cook it the, what I want. Yeah. It'll never be cooked like that there. 
it's grilled, you know, or like when you go to Ant somewhere where it's seafood. I'm like, I'm gonna I'm gonna order something way different. Scallops. Well, salmon and salmon is not my number two, but salmon is it's one of those things where you know, I've been to a thousand barbecues here in the Pacific Northwest where there's salmon on foil with lemon on it and it's cooked 85 minutes too long. <laughs> and I, if, I will never eat a fish of salmon that has lemon on it. You know what I mean, though? I know. I just. So I saw an interesting article the other day that dovetails into the salmon topic. And so I'm curious if you've ever heard of this, Jason, um, where you salt the salmon ahead of time, you let it air dry in the fridge, and when you cook it, um, after doing that, you don't get the white, uh, like protein coagulate that you know, like when you cook it, it's yes. got the white yeah. stuff on the yeah. side. Yeah. Yes. Um, apparently, when you do that, salt, air dry in the fridge, that doesn't extrude from the meat of the salmon. So, never tried it, but I, th- my, what we do, we will season it, put it in the fridge, and then we have it at room temperature for two hours Is before it, you put it on the grill. Yes. Is it covered in the fridge? Or is covered, it yeah, it's covered. Okay, but then we leave it out, and it's like I grew up with like you leave your meat out at room temperature, yeah, for a couple hours. Yeah, and I don't know if there's a my significant that, other but... who doesn't listen to the podcast, so I don't care. She thinks that's like the worst thing that's ever happened to meat. I'm like, what happened 200 years ago? Like you leave your you want it room temperature. You don't want it super cold when you put it on the grill, right? So she'll, it's funny because I'll be like, it's going to be okay, babe. Like I'm cooking it at 450. I understand what you're saying. I would just like to point out comparing how we do things now versus 200 years ago. Salt. I mean, I would like to think we do things better I, now I know, than 200 but, years but ago. But meat is meat. Like you, you, you leave it out. Like let the, like if you're seasoning it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Number two. Okay, for me, it's barbecue oysters. Oh, that's a good Oh, call. my God. No way. Oh. You don't like oysters? I love them. Oh. Oh, my God. I just... Yes. It's, How do you do it? So... You get an oyster, <laughs> and you don't put it on your good grill... Because mm-hmm. it'll leave oyster residue. Mm, that's that, a great tip. What if yes. you only have one grill? Well, so I think for oysters you need a you need a bad grill. Which if you've been doing it for long enough, you've got. Yeah. And you let them pop open. So so maybe the the key is if you've got a regular Weber and that's it, you cook it long enough to where that becomes your bad grill and you get a new one. Yes, but I think the key is charcoal. Yeah, charcoal is good. One hundred percent. Yeah, and just some crappy grill because oysters don't need anything other than heat. And um, you know, you can throw parmesan on there. You can throw hot sauce on there. Just Do you have a little like butter like sitting uh, there, oh, like waiting? That's our garlic. Oh, all of that. So do you? shuck the oysters before you put them on there no. or do you let them pop open? You let them pop open. And you need like a little jackknife to yeah. give them a little courtesy slice. Mm. 
and then you can dump them in that little concoction. Oh my god! And then put them back in the shell. Oh yeah, yes. When you have multiple, when you have a hundred of them, it's you don't do that. Yeah, you got to make sure too that you put them divot side down, so that when you pop the top, Mm. the juices stay in that nice little clam hotel or not uh, oyster hotel, you know. And then you've got the the oyster juices mingling with the butter and garlic. And so one of the keys with those is to not like if you go to an oyster place, don't buy the big ones. No. No, no, no. Smalls or minis. You know yes. who really likes the, the extra large ones? Dick Fryer. He loves oh, the, yeah. big, oh, the oh, big oysters. I got, no, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got. I, I brought. I had a bunch. He <laughs> drove over immediately, grabbed them. Yep. Took them home. So you can deep fry the big ones. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I love fried oysters, too. So real quick, Jason Squibb's wedding. Yeah. He had an oyster set up. Unlimited, all you can eat, but they were raw. You're kidding me. And you had different sauces and everything. Kelly had eight, but she won't eat salmon. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, think about, have you ever had a raw oyster? Yeah. Uh, A thousand times. Oyster shooter. Yeah. But, I mean, you don't even taste the oyster when you do that. I know, but the big ones can get skunky. And it, I mean, there's so much there. I don't want all of that mouthfeel going on. There's, there's only one stomach. thing I won't eat in the seafood world. Tell us. Clam. Really? And I grew up like, like I, I think I'm outlawed from a band from my family. Really? Yes. So, so you've had all the different ways, clam fritters. Clam fritter, like my, we had our family. We yeah, still grinder. have the grinder. Yeah. So you would clam fritters are like an amazing thing in my Morgenthaler family. Same thing with my family. Same. And yeah. I, I love clam fritters. Well, what about I clam chowder? You barely. Oh, I love the, clam chowder. Yeah, okay. I love it. It's like you can't so. Even it's tell just it I don't know. It's just I don't know. Clam fritter is not. But you know, back in the day, clam fritters were made from the parts of the clam that you wouldn't eat. Yes. So I remember my sister saying, Oh, you just ate the clam stomach. And she'd be like, Then just go away. (laughs) But, you know, I probably will now. You know, I, I mean, if there's one that I like the least, it's the clam. It's just the chewy the texture, all that kind of stuff. And oysters are not too different. They don't have the chew so much. It's just kind of soft and the stomach on them as well. Yeah. Um, it can kind of wig me out, make me a little freaked out. Oh, I love a barbecue Like, oyster. is it worse than a horse? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not eating horse, that's for sure. No, I'm just saying, like, wigs you out. No, I still eat them. Oh, but, like, yeah. if, if, you know, I get yeah. the wrong bite. Um, so number one, yeah, number one for me. Before I do that, am I sticking to charcoal or am I going? Or it's I, charcoal or gas. So does that include blackstone? Uh, you can do blackstone. Fried yeah. rice? You're no, doing fried yeah. rice, aren't you? I'm no, but you know, even see that's a different. Maybe next one time we do. Top three on a blackstone. Okay. Well, I'm going to throw... Because I'm thinking like charcoal, like just... No, Ruck's going fried rice. 
No, he's you not. know what? I, I kind of am. I kind of am not. Um, so I'm going to throw the things that didn't make my top three in there real quick. So love pulled pork on the Weber. You do the little snake around the outside with some chunks of wood over it. And like, you know, uh, eight or nine hours and you let that sit. It's just the silkiest pork you could ever get. Um, but that's not top three for me. Um, the final one that I'm not going to put in barbecue because it's not really barbecue, but I use my Weber for it is paella. You guys ever had paella? I've had paella. Yes. You, and you've had seafood stew. Yeah. And you've had yeah. my fried rice out Your of my fried paella rice pan. Is amazing. So kind of thinking about either one of those, the paella pan fits so perfectly in a Weber. It just, the, the outer rim, it just rests on it. The charcoal is easy to get in there. And then you can just use that as a cook surface. So I love doing either uh, Korean fried rice or paella in the Weber. But number one for me is using the Blackstone and doing a smash burger. I sent you guys mm-hmm. those pictures today. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, for me at this point, I really don't like getting burgers most of the time at most places unless, you know, it's like dad's and it's their smash burger or it's the baked cafe on Camino Island and they've got smash burgers. Um, I just think any burger that's not a smash burger is not worth having for the most part. Well, what 90% if, of the burgers you're going to get are like a frozen. Yeah. But it, what if you just yeah. go like you're on the road and you happen to be by a Dick's? I, Dick's is different. It's just nostalgic. It tastes. It tastes good. It's such a thin patty that it's not going to feel yeah, like it's yeah. dried out. But I'm Dick's def- is amazing. I'm definitely not having FDI. You know, I'm not having a burger from Fidelity Drive-In. Yeah, um, Boomers. Boomers is like you know my growing up. I know at, at Western. Uh, yeah, haven't had it in a long time. Haven't had it since I had my um, burger awakening with the Smash Burger. Really. Yeah, so I honestly, so boomers. I, I mean, if I went there, maybe I'd do a chicken. It's not like I'm against it. It's just, it's more so like if I go to a restaurant. Yeah. Um, so tell me about the Smash patty. Burger. Yeah. What, so, what, what is a Smash Burger? So the key with a Smash Burger is you need as much surface area pressing down into the hottest flat surface you can get. You can... Do this with like a cast iron pan and charcoal if you wanted to, but you need the Maillard reaction. When you look at the burger, once you flip it over and you see the little crispy bits that are brown, that's happened because the protein has reacted at a certain temperature to actually create more of a meaty flavor. And that's why you want the smash burger. If you just do the regular one, you're getting this sort of gray meat that kind of cooked ubiquitously throughout. And it's not going to give you the same flavor. Not to mention, they cook way quicker. Get a little bit of a different texture because you get some of those crispy meat bits. Um, And then obviously, you're going to throw American cheese on there. I know there's the fake cheese, real cheese. But for me, I just think that real cheese doesn't stand out enough. It doesn't have a strong enough flavor. Like if you want to throw some smoked gouda on there, maybe. But Oh, wow. You know, if you're going regular cheddar, I just can't even taste it. And I don't need a lot of toppings on there. You know, when I did it today, it's start off by um, maybe throwing a couple slices of bacon on the griddle. Then you get some onions going in the background, starting to caramelize. You get the buns going next. I like to just put mayonnaise on the buns to griddle those up instead of butter. I think that's just easier. And, you know, mayonnaise really is just 
uh, egg and oil for the most part. So you're really just getting the oil on there in like a solid, solid way. Once those have all done its thing, you basically have already made these meatballs, forming them with your hands on the side, which you only need like three to four ounces for one of the patties. Kind of salt them. Once the grill is smoking, then you throw them on salt down and you got to take your big metal spatula. And I like to take something on top of the metal spatula and press down like maybe um, like a, a wooden dowel so that you can really get a clear press mm. down, straight down on it. And you can really press that paper as thin as you want to or keep it a little bit thick. But you got to so make sure even that wax paper on until the after. You can use wax paper if you want to. But if you've gotten your spatula that's metal hot, it, it will not stick to it. But you, you could throw a piece of parchment paper down so it doesn't stick to it. So then, you know, it probably cooks for 45 seconds to a minute. Uh, salt it, flip it, cheese, done. Don't need to do too much else. Wow. Yeah, I like it. I do too. That sounds you amazing. You can't do a smash burger, though, on the Weber. No. no. I mean, you could. You would have to use well, a, Oh, yeah. So uh, you, like, yes. Cast iron pan. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to get it ripping hot. Yeah. So what's your number one, Jay? So my number one is just a nice... Everything is... It's a steak. Like a filet. What's your steak of choice? My steak of choice is a filet. But, like, summertime is a nice flank steak mm, with yeah. the fried rice. Yeah. Um, How do you marinate your flank? Well, it's different. So I do a dry rub or we have a teriyaki Hawaiian type. It's just a a grill destroyer. Yeah. When you do that kind of all that. that, Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, But my, you know, there was about six years ago, we're at our cabin and we have two Weber's. That's all we do for dinner. And my dad was the grill man forever. Yep. And he says, it's your turn. And I'd been watching him. And it's like, you have 12 people. You have like three, one that wants rare, seven that wants medium rare, two want medium, and then one wants burnt. And it's on. It's on. Yeah. And then you're in charge. Yes. And you you, you have good meat. Yeah, you and they're and they're and, yeah, and they're you know it's yeah. just like you're expected to do it, and every yep. night's a different meat, like pork chops one night, chicken. We do like fillets. One night we'll do flank steak. We'll do the like all of that. Yeah, and you're the guy. So no, that's a lot of pressure, and you you probably so, don't have a lot of time. So I imagine that, we have time, but so then here's the question. Do you just indir- do you direct? It's all heat direct, at all? or do you start it indirect? No, we all it's all direct, and then, like I said, it's just by feel. Yeah, because you never want to cut into it. No, ultimately. you don't. Yeah. So, but then you're like, so you know, it took two or three years for me to like figure out, like, okay, I've always undercooked Kelly's steak because I'm not overcooking it. I don't want to make that mistake. Right. I did that once. And you're like, oh, God. But it's hard when you have a steak on the grill. It is hard. You're like, you are trusting the steak gods. But you are but you know that like the coals are always the same for us. For the, It's all charcoal. Yeah. And so 
but then putting on the different thicknesses, like if some people, because not everyone has the same steak. And we have all been in the situation where we thought a steak was cooked correctly and somebody cuts into it and it's raw. Well, yeah, or you, yeah, you do. But then it's just learning like years. Yes. Like I'm trying to teach Rowan. You just got to learn how the meat feels in your thumb. Yeah. See? Uh, that's how it is. Wow. Have you ever no, that's good. So when I turned 40, my dad gave me 40 ribeye steaks. <laughs> really? Yes. <sighs> so awesome. Kelsey and I had ribeye steaks 20 times. Yeah. And it was amazing. Yeah. Because a ribeye, you know, you got enough fat in there. And it's on the bone. Yeah. And it's it's a beautiful cut. I mean, you've got some filet on that that little, yeah. little part. Right. Is that your number one? No. Oh. No, but I'm reminiscing. I know. Is that your steak of choice? Oh, I love a ribeye. That's yeah. my steak of choice. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever had a, a Spencer steak? I don't believe I have. So at the have you? Mm-mm. At the IGA on Camino Island, if you guys ever make it there, they they have these Spencer steaks. And, you know, there's a lot of different cuts you can do in the butcher world. And I believe the Spencer steak is like taking the T-bone and removing the bone and all the extra part. And it's just in the steak, just that that part of it. I don't think it's the filet part. So I love the bone yeah. in the steak. I'm a, I don't. Like I, I, I don't know. It's different. I, I mean, I love all of it. I would love. I mean, I will. You'll still enjoy it. Yeah. Oh, oh, I love it. But like, if I have a number one, I'm so, doing a fillet. Yeah. Or I just got I uh, wagyu. Mm-hmm. Like I had some from Merle that he is friends with a, like the head butcher from Costco somewhere, and it's but different. it's it's marbly. Have you had a? Have you had a dry aged steak? You have, yeah. It's a whole different world. It's a it's a different world. So, what are we talking about for cost on that? On a dry age, yeah, more. Uh, a lot. A hundred dollars a steak could be. I mean, you gotta. So when they dry age it, I don't want to prolong this podcast any longer than it already is. But you're probably gonna start with a prime rib. And there's going to be that big fat cap around the outside, which protects the meat. So when you dry it, you're going to lose water. So at some weight, you're losing right there. And then some of the outside dries out. And so you're going to have to cut some of that off anyway. So you're losing a lot of actual meat that you might have served. And so that's part of why it's so expensive. Um, but it it's it's tenderized by doing that. And depending on how many days you do it, it can develop a sort of nutty, funky flavor to it, which some people like and some people don't. Yeah. Uh, number one for you. So you, uh, <clears throat> Rock, you killed me with a smoker deal, but I'm going to go smoker anyway. Do it. So my number one. So I've done a smoked meatloaf oh. for years. So a pork beef combo. Um. Wrapped in bacon, a nice bacon weave, mm. 
And you know, an, uh, it's meat- very symmetrical. Yes, I love it. And a meatloaf, a lot of times, will have kind of a bonding agent. Yeah, breadcrumbs or whatever. Egg. Yeah. So I use egg and Cheez Its. <laughs> it is so. What? It is so good. I've I've had the privilege of eating it. I request that whenever we do our beach podcast, the smoked meatloaf makes an appearance. And um, so at Dad's diner, I was talking about it one day, and Fletcher said, "Do you put a missile in it?" And I said, "What do you mean by a missile?" And he said, "Like a sausage in the middle." Yes. So in the middle, I have put a cheese cylinder surrounding a bratwurst. Can you give me more details on what you mean by a cheese cylinder? So a bratwurst that is cooked with American cheese surrounding it. That you've just hand-wrapped. Yes, and then you insert, you put it in the meatloaf, or so when you construct the meatloaf, that is in the middle. Yes, with a bacon weave around it. Wow, John Madden would love this. So what about? Oh, I, I maybe. I mean, would you? We should try one with the uh, Portuguese sausage. Oh, linguiça. Yeah, linguiça. Or... So we let that cook for hours. And then what I would do would be get like a um, like a nice bread with smoked gouda, sriracha, and then cut flatly the meatloaf and fry it on each side so that it would have a nice crispy husk on each side of the you know the meatloaf. I think what you're seeking there was a Maillard reaction. Yes. That it sounds amazing. That's oh, rocking amazing. my world. <laughs> oh, it's so good. You've had it. I've had it. He has. Oh, curse you. Mm. Once a year, he makes it. Yeah. You're allowed to only make it once a year. Is that the deal? Well, <laughs> time. <laughs> yes. It's a sounds like a process. Yeah, it's amazing. Is there a specific time of the year that you're always doing that? Or well, just... usually the Fourth of July, but okay. you know that varies. Sure. Wow. Can't believe I've never never seen this in person. My stomach is making happy oh. noises right now. You know, hey, real quick, uh, one that we've done the last few years just because is uh, prawn skewers. Oh, oh yeah, those are great. For we, so we didn't even dip into the uh, the uh, kebab kebab. I know family. Kebabs. Oh, I mean, you know, with my moo ping, I did a little bit. Yes. The thing is a skewered item. Um, I feel like I lost. <laughs> I don't know. You yes. didn't lose. In the top three. We were all winners tonight. Uh-huh. Yeah, that, that was a big time. Hey, real quick. Yeah. Shout out to Swap and the Steamers going 4-0. 4-0, baby. And can you tell us someone, was it their first home run ever? Jack Metcalf hit a bomb. And his dad is a loyal listener. 100%. Roscoe. Royal, loyal listener. Love it. That's awesome. Yeah. Good for Jack. He deserves it. He does. Not a better kid. Yeah. Well, um, happy to hear that. And on that note, I think that means it's the end of our podcast tonight. 
Uh, we will catch you next week. Uh, hopefully, two in a row at this point. Um, remember to tune in on YouTube, uh, Spotify, Apple Music, and anywhere else your uh, podcast can be found.